Welcome along to episode two of the Loftcast, QPR's very own club podcast. I'm Ian Taylor from the QPR media team, and today I'm joined by not one, but two QPR legends. My regular co-host, club ambassador Andy Sinton, and former QPR fullback Clive Willow-Wilson. We're going to also be joined by a lifelong QPR fan and Sky Sports News HQ reporter, Aidan McGee. Here's Sinton. It's crossed over, it's a good one, it comes in towards Simon Barker. And it bubbles around and the shot has gone in! Clive Wilson scores for Rangers! A goal for Queensborough Rangers and Clive Wilson breaks the deadlock. Gents, welcome along to the podcast. Willow, fond memories of QPR. Very fond memories. Um, came here in 1990 um, from there, I say Chelsea, which everyone knows. Um, Don't mention the C yeah, word on no this podcast. Yeah, no. um, <laughs> the only problem we have with that is I didn't realise there was such a rivalry between them, so it didn't, didn't, didn't affect my decision to come here because I didn't know anything about it. But yeah, as you say, very fond memories. Probably the, um, the place where I discovered me, found, found my best form, played probably my best football more consistent football here so yeah very very fond memories of Loftus Road Can I jump uh, just jump in there Willow uh, obviously I think was was it Don who signed you Don Howe Yeah Don, Don, Don Howe signed you yeah. but it would be fair to say uh, and I can speak for myself and Les and Andy Impey and Trevor Sinclair the list goes on would be fair to say that it wasn't until Jerry Francis came in that you really hit the heights of your career and had the best time of your career Yeah without a doubt um, yeah spent the, the first year I came here I will tell you, I'd already, I'd just got, I don't know, I think we was in, we was in relegation trouble. Yeah, but we had yeah. a really bad yeah. um, period halfway through the season where we lost nine in a row. Yeah, so we had a, I massive think we, injuries. Massive yeah, we, injuries. Stru- we struggled that season and I struggled that season for form. Um, I came here, I think predominantly as a, a midfield player and I didn't play, um, I, was, I, wasn't, I didn't play consistently well that year, so it wasn't, a, it wasn't a big surprise that he got, I got left that I got left out of a number of games but it was disappointing having come from Chelsea where I wasn't playing so regularly to then come here and the same thing happened happening but um, that all changed um, when Jerry Jerry came around and, and it was I, I suppose it was a quicker fate really I was um, at the end of the first season if, if you remember um, Don and um, Bobby Gould Bobby Gould came in and he bought um, Darren Peacock Andy Tilson and Rufus Brevet, and um, Rufus kind of took over from Kenny Kenny Sampson, and Rufus was playing for for most of the for the back end of 1991, um, and I was kind of twiddling my thumbs waiting for a chance. Well, he did quite well, didn't he? Brevet? Yeah, he did. He did very well. I, I, yeah, no denying that. Um, I, don't, I can't remember the, the circumstances, but it was a pre-season game. It might have been at Wickham. I don't know why I'm thinking Wickham, um, and I came on for Rufus in. In a game, and the kind of say the rest is history. My career just, just took off from there. I, I got into the team first game of the season, and, and and never looked back from there. So, and that was I don't know if it was just a case of Jerry going well. Let's try him, try him there. But I'd only ever played I played left back a number of times. I actually made my debut for Man City at left back, um, and I'd only ever filled I other times I filled in when the left back was injured. So when when I was at Chelsea, when Tony Rodrigo was injured, I'd fill in. Um, but it became more of a permanent fixture once I came into QPR. So Jerry obviously recognised that um, and wanted to play as a left back. What made, you know, what I've said before and the number of players have said before, what made Jerry Francis so special as a manager? Um, 
I think I've said this, I've gone on record saying this, I think he was the first manager that I had that started to make me think about football. I mean, and also first manager to truly, truly coach me in the position that I was in. Previous to Jerry coming here, I'd more or less, you more or less played off the cuff. I more or less just ran around, got into position. If I was out of position, then the manager might ask me. So more tactical? Yeah, Jerry was so tactical. He would say, if the ball was here, this is where you need to be. If the if the if this and he wouldn't happens, just sit back and just come in yeah. there. He wouldn't just say it as well. He would show you yeah. and show you why you needed to be there. And he would go through a, a number of scenarios almost on a daily basis. Yeah. Mm-hmm. As a fan, Aidan, growing up watching that team, did you notice a, a real shift in the way QBR played during that period when Jerry came in? Well, I, I, to be honest, I, I think the seeds were there when Don Howe was there, mm-hmm. to be honest with you. He made some very, very, very intelligent signings, which he never really got the credit for. Yeah, yeah. Um, I do think he was a good tactician as well. We got some memorable. We had that middle section of 1990 to 91, where we had those nine games. Uh, I mean, a manager would be sacked now, quite frankly, yeah, well, with yeah, a run like he, that. He wouldn't have got nine. No, he yeah. certainly he yeah. certainly wouldn't. But to be yeah. fair to him, with the, the injuries kept hitting us in the middle of defence. In fact, David Barsley against Arsenal at home was playing yeah, centre back right. for the first time in his career. We yeah. nearly turned him over, yeah. weren't that far off, and that was an all-conquering Arsenal side as well. Um, the three signings he made the debut at Derby: so Peacock, Brevet, Tilson. Peacock went on to have an outstanding career. Yeah, Brevet yeah. did well. Tilson, in another era, would have, would have had a good career. Yeah. was a very competent centre-half. Yes, yeah. But um, still went on to do, to do well. But then, back end of that season, we won at Anfield 3-1. We'd, yes. already, won, we'd already won at, at Leeds um, 3-2 earlier in the mm-hmm. season. The Rory Wegley goal. Yeah, yeah. Oh, what an outstanding goal. <laughs> what, a, what, a, what a gifted player. But Imagine again, if that scored in the present day. Well, it's, I mean, go on I, and on and on. Yeah. You'd still be watching it, wouldn't you? Yeah. yeah, well, I still watch it quite a lot. Can I tell you a story? About that? I, was, I was on the bench that day. And um, Roy picks up on the halfway line and he dribbles inside um, and Don, Don's going, pass it. <laughs> he, he dribbles past someone else, pass, pass it. it. He not make somebody else. Not Don's make, going, yeah. pa- pass it. He does a step over, pass it. <laughs> he passes it, he smashes it into the bottom of goal. Don goes, great goal. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the, the actual applause from the away end yeah, yeah, yeah. Was, was drowned out by applause from the home, yeah, home yeah. crowd because they appreciated yeah. they'd seen something really special. So the, seed, the seeds were there. It was a great performance at Anfield. I think we had about 10 games between sort of back end of February to about the start of April where we were in really good form. And that kind of set us up for the following season. But we didn't start well no. in uh, 91. But you could still see We played West Ham at home and you played in midfield. Do you remember that yeah, game? 0-0. Yes, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. We probably should have won 3-4-0. Mm. Um, it just didn't go to plan. But, and then we lost to Oldham. Uh, sorry, lost at home to Oldham in about November and people were actually calling for Jerry to go. How's this guy's memory, by the way? Incredible. You played in those games. You can't ever remember. remember (laughs) But the the turning point was actually um, Notts County away at the end of uh, November and Les Ferdinand basically knocked one in while he was facing away from goal with the back of his shin or something. And uh, it it was a turning point in his career. It was a turning point in our season. I think we only lost three of the remaining 22. Old Trafford, of course. Mm. We all remember that. I Um, do remember that Notts County game. And I remember before the game, he sat us down, and I think it was someone in the third bottom at the time. And he, whether it was reverse psychology or whatever, he sat us down and he went, I believe in each and every one of you players, and you're the ones that are going to climb this table, and you're the ones that are going to do well for QPR. So whether it was reverse psychology or whatever, for him to say that, we just went... Wow, we've got a manager yeah. here I mean, that si- really trusts us. The signs were there earlier in the season. I mean, we beat Everton well, 3-1. Mm. Ground out one at, um, at Luton, 1-0 when Simon Barker scored, oh, yeah. edge, edge yeah. of the box. But there was a couple of signs. Palace on early September, um, they just sold Ian Wright. We were 2-0 up with 10 minutes to go. Stan Collymore comes on, changes the game, yeah. scores his first game in, in English football. We, we draw 2-2 um, against a team that had finished third in the league the year before. Um, threw, threw away two-goal lead at home to Chelsea as well. 
again, another goal in the fourth minute of injury time. So the signs were there. We weren't getting thrashed by anybody, mm. by any means. But we, you know, it was, that, was, that was the season, the second half of that season, certainly from about December onwards, and the Norwich away game before we were actually in quite good form when we went to Old Trafford. People forget that. Was, was Jerry the best you played for? I know since you've said to me before, he's right up there, if, yeah. if indeed he, he probably is no, the number the best. one. Yeah. Is Jerry the best you've played yeah, for? Yeah, without a doubt. Um, as I say, he's the first manager who started to make me think about football and coached, coached me in a way that I start to think, well, what he's saying makes sense. Um, example, prime example I'll give you is most of the other managers I've, play, I've played under, you're coming at half-time and you would, you'd, you'd be losing. They would more or less go, you're not working hard enough. Right? You've got to work as hard as the other team. Whereas Jay would go, maybe that's the case, you're not working hard enough, but they're causing us trouble by this player being here, this, and this is how I'm going to solve it. And he'd give you a, a, um, a solution to the problem. Whereas most other managers just went, well, you're not working hard enough, just run, just run a little bit more, which is, which is the easiest thing to say, but it's an hard thing to, to try and do. As a fan, it was the first time I'd seen the QPR. I haven't seen too many QPR sides since... When we went 1-0 down at half-time, there was an expectation that we would get back in the game afterwards. There were, if you look back, there were, I can probably think about 15 games where we were losing at half-time and didn't just go on to get a point or come back from two down and get a 2-2 as we did at Man City that time. Um, but we'd go on and win the game. And uh, I think that's, that says a lot about the character of the side, mm -hmm. yeah. really. It was, but the, 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 most of the squad have been together for quite a while as yeah, well. Yeah, People yeah. forget that. Yeah, yeah. We had a great uh, team spirit at the time, camaraderie. And that comes from the training ground. You know, Jerry. Uh, wouldn't mind me saying this. I've actually said it. You say sometimes his training would bore you to death, wouldn't it, Willa? Without a doubt. On, a, a, on doubt. a Thursday, two hours of just defend and shape. But I tell you what, on a Saturday, when you won the game and you kept the clean sheet, you go, okay. Um, there was a reason. There's a reason. Players <laughs> will always the best way for players to buy into a manager's ideas or through results. results. And when when you're seeing the the results that Jerry was getting, no coincidence. He used to work us really, really hard. Stop it. He'd spend half an hour with Willow or me playing in front, he'd spend time with the centre-backs, balls here, this is, he drops in, this is what I want you to do. Every sort of scenario was covered. And I think that's, to me, and asked you the question, but to me, that's what made him a special type of manager. I think he also persevered with players as well. Yes. I mean, and, and Andrew Impey went through a bad period. I having got into the side and initially done really well, he had a, a bit, it was a bit torrid at the start of 92, 93, certainly around the winter time, and he, but he persevered with him and he came good. Um, Darren Peacock had a, you know, he, he didn't play well first half of that 92-93 season, but within a year you're looking at a three million pound player. And um, you know, nowadays, do we afford that sort of time to our players? Not, not often. No. no. You mentioned team spirit there since, and uh, much has been made of Leicester and their team spirit mm -hmm. last season. Iceland during the uh, Euros, ditto with the Welsh as well. How important do you think it is? You said to us before we started filming this podcast that team spirit goes a long way, and this current QBR group and we're often accused in the media, the, the club media, are overhyping the good spirit that exists here. But how important for you, Clive, is, is, a, is a good team spirit? Very important. Um, Andy touched on it before that. Um, part of our success um, in the 90s was because we had a good team spirit. We didn't have um, stellar signings. We didn't make any stellar signings. There was no big money signings, um, even for that time. Uh, our talisman was, was Les Ferdinand. Um, and the camaraderie that we had in the team was we, we, we'd uh, play together, we'd go out together. So we, we formed a bond amongst ourselves and that, that we took into matches. So we would fight each other's corner. And I think if you look around, we would go for Leicester for last season. Is While they didn't have um, a great... Um, 1-11 as one it to were. 11, 
they found the team spirit that took them through to win that league. So, without a doubt, it's 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 a way teams win things, even in in successful in any successful time sides. There, there's got to be an element, a good element of team spirit, else it's not going to succeed. And as a fan, Aidan, you look back to QBR's most recent successes, a heart back to the Warnock team of 2010-11, and there was a real team collectiveness during that period. And if you're a supporter, and you know it might not always go your way at 3 o'clock on a Saturday afternoon, but nine times out of ten, if all the players are pulling in the same direction, you're going to get over the line. Yeah, you are, and you can also forgive that as a supporter as well. You know, if, if the players are putting it in 110%, I know it's a horrible cliche, but you can, I think you can, you can tolerate that. But I, I don't think the 2010-11 team was laced with, you know, particularly great talent outside of Adele Tarab, but it just shows you now. I mean, I, I was over at West Ham three, year, three weeks ago, and they were showing me around their new stadium, and I was talking to Karen Brady and David Gold, and they were saying how important... It's more important than ever, team spirit and mm. this word culture yeah. as well, because everyone's got money. Everyone can get the recruitment right in a good year and get it wrong in a, in a bad year, mm. but it's ultimately, whether it goes well or goes badly, it's your team spirit that carries you through. Exactly. And I think that, you know, they, they certainly see it as really important. That's why it's so important to buy the right characters. And I think a few years ago, when we got into the Premier League, possibly we didn't buy the right characters. Speaking of characters, the R's new number 10 for this season, Charon Cherry, is a, a man who started the season uh, very well. Three penalties. And, and if there's a man to ask about the art of the spot kick, Willow, it's probably you. Um, that's nice to say. But, <laughs> well, that's um, what Sins told yes. me anyway. <laughs> but, um, Sins has missed a couple. I don't couple. know if there's any art and fast rules. I mean, for me, it's easy to say a good penalty is one that hits the back of the net, a bad penalty is one that misses. That's the simplicity of it. How many did he score for us? Uh, I can't remember who he scored. I remember the first, the first one you missed was Southampton, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But that's so he can't remember how many yeah, he scored, yeah, yeah. but he remembers the one you <laughs> missed. That's missed. Nice, yeah, yeah. He, he scored 15 to goals for QBR. I think 12 of them were from the penalty yeah. spot. Okay, there you go. That's not bad, yeah. is it? Uh, did you... People are quite intrigued by this, Willow. Did you practice, or when did you decide? You get a, you're playing tomorrow night, you get a penalty tomorrow night. Have you decided today? Where are you going to put it? Do you decide when the referee blows his whistle or do you, you put it on the spot and you make your mind up? When do you, as a penalty taker, when do you make your decision? Um, when, the, when, the, when I see the, when the ref's blowing and pointing to the spot, I've, I'm gonna, I pick the ball up and then decide where I'm going to put it. And, and an ideal, ideally, my first point of call is to try and put it to the goalkeeper's right. Right, and if I see you move, then pull it to the left. And would you practice that in training? Yes. After training, I would practice. I, I remember practicing it a few times against against Tony Roberts, and I would to make it even harder. I'd say to him, "I'm putting. I tell him what side I'm going to put it, and still try and beat him." There's a big thing about you know taking penalties, and certainly in penalty shootouts, people say you practice, but all the practice doesn't prepare you for that. Real life Mo scenario. That, uh, certainly in penalty shootouts, you yeah. know, people say you cannot recreate the situation. You can take them out, uh, all day long out here, 20 penalties, just score them, but it's nil nil tomorrow with a minute to go. Suddenly there's a different feel for that penalty. You can't recreate that, but you just back yourself to do what you're going to do. Yes. Um, the, the infamous one, famous one, is the one against Millwall in the very last minute. Um, I remember when the referee blew. I think, Blue and it, was, it might be the very last minute of the game, and I'm I'm going up to the ball and thinking I've got to take this one now. And um, I remember putting the ball on the spot, and Simon Barker standing, coming up to me and saying, "Where are you going to put it?" I said, "I'm going to put it to the keeper's right." So it was Casey he, Keller, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. So he put he, so so um, Simon Barker stood on my to my left, um, hoping for a rebound. Um, so as I as I go up to the ball, 
I see Casey Keller move to his move to his his right, so I pulled it to the left, and fortunately it goes in. So Sam back went, you. I thought you were going to put it to your right. I said, look, it's in the back of the net. Don't worry about <laughs> it. And off we went. So there's no, no hard and fast rules. I, ju- I just try and um, don't wait, not so much wait for the keeper, see if I can beat him by pace. Right? I beat him with the pace or beat him by sending him the wrong way. But there's, as again, there's no, no hard and fast rules. Good one's one that hits, bad one's one that misses. We've had some good ones as well. Terry Fennick was very good before mm. your time, very effective from the spot. Yeah. Um, we also had Roy Wegley, only missed one at Sheffield United. Yeah. Well, that, that's, what got, that's what got me the penalties because he said if he misses another, if he misses one, I can have them. Since you took a few throughout your career, missed a few. Uh, I remember you taking one at Grimsby, <laughs> didn't you? I took one in Grimsby in the shootout. shootout yeah. Yeah. Uh, I missed in that shootout as well. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Also scored an own goal in that game, Aiden. I bet you can't remember that, can you? I listened on the radio. I, it was a school, I was at <laughs> so, school. Uh, so, yeah, scored one there. Uh, I think I only took one in the league for QPR. Did you get nervous taking him? Not really. Um, Would I? No, not really. Apart from that one at Millwall in the last minute. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. it's about repetition. I mean, I, I spent time with Phil Taylor, the darts player, and mm. he just spends time in his dunk, in his um, bunker at home. Obviously, there's no crowd, and that's what Andy just talked mm. about. Pepper ago, in the triple if twenty. Just, yeah, if you just get that repetition right again and again and again, his argument is that you do that so often in a quiet environment that the crowd eventually doesn't matter. Doesn't matter yeah. I went down to Chichester University about four years ago and spent some time with this guy who was an expert in golf, actually, but he, he also told us about uh, We were there to discuss the perfect penalty. I brought Kevin Gallon down with me, and um, we put four hoops in each four corner of the mm. goal. And he said that if you hit it at a certain pace into those hoops, the keeper, who was a very good guy, wouldn't, could, wouldn't be able to get it. Yeah. Now, obviously, you've got to hit, hit it at 81 miles an hour, whatever it is. But the idea is that in practice, you would get that. But I still think that, you know, I don't care that psychology is so important in sport now. If you do get 80,000 people no, in a Wembley it. final getting into your head, then mm. maybe you won't hit that hoop well, quite I spoke, to, I spoke to a famous golfer years ago, and, uh, you know, they, they hit ball after ball after ball on the range. They played tournament after tournament after tournament. He said he represented Europe in the Ryder Cup, and he could barely hold the club on the first tee. You know, I'm so, not that's, surprised. so that's the occasion or the, the pressure of what's out there getting inside your head because that's where it gets I'd still back Charo and Cherry every time from the spot the way he's yeah. taking them out at yeah. the moment yeah. Yeah. If, it, if the evidence of this season keep up, is keep anything up, to go mould though as well Charo and yep. Cherry I think playing in like, that 10 role yeah excellent I mean you know probably the first one I remember is probably Simon Stainwell really early on mm. obviously it went on to Wegley Trevor Francis people forget yeah. what he, how good he was at QPR you know he was 33, 34 uh, and then obviously you know the guys we've had since then as well and the guys we had in the 70s he's, he's in that mould I enjoy watching Moving things back to the present day, as we've just done then, modern day football, Aidan, um, you're involved in the media with Sky Sports News HQ to give it its full title. Um, perception of QPR now? Perception of QPR is that we probably needed a boring season last year. I think Clint Hill touched on it at the end of last year. And I, wouldn't, I don't think, ever, you know, as a fan, no, no season's ever boring, actually. But QPR weren't quite this circus that they were four or five years ago. I mean, I remember when Harry got the job and given his relationship with uh, our presenter, Jim White, we were, we were, I think we, we made inquiries about setting up a studio at Loftus Road, you know. <laughs> but, um, but, and it was, it was so You're close and, now, and convenient. Way. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not surprised. But, um, no, it, it was a circus. It was like um, certain clubs have certain periods in their history where they're good for a story. Uh, QPR didn't make the headlines in the 90s enough for their excellence. Um, that's just the, made, the way the media is. Sometimes other fans of other clubs and we are don't forget we're broadcasting to fans of you know probably only a couple of percent percentage of our of our viewership is a QPR fans so you do have to appeal to a cross-section sometimes that comes from the stories off the pitch 
and there was just too much of that going on at QPR. It was too much of an easy target, as certain clubs have been over the last sort of 20, 30 years. Um, but I feel that we're getting recognition for our football now, and we're putting a lot of time and a lot of money and energy into the championship now with our coverage. Mm. Having lost the Champions League, we have to give a lot more to the Football League, and why not? I mean, it's the fourth or fifth biggest supported league in, in Europe. I mean, it's, um, there's some big, big clubs in it as well. QPR wouldn't rank as... I think we struggled to get in the top 10 in terms of size of clubs in the championship. Yep. So even at this level, with the start we've made, there's an argue, argument to be made that we're actually punching above our weight. Mm. And that's but great the perception's changing then since Without the question. return of the likes of Les Ferdinand now back on board, Andy in his role as a club ambassador. Yeah. Um, You're seeing football people. You're seeing people who've been and involved. And that's important. Oh, it's hugely important. Ask any, ask any club. Supporters, supporters like that as well. You know, I, I wrote in my first column of the season in the programme that you know, I don't really understand why owners have done things at clubs. I'm not talking about QPR here, but everywhere that annoy annoy your fan base. If you were Boots or if you were Tesco's, you wouldn't do that. Because like changing got, the crest. <laughs> well, yeah, that's huge, that was a huge, huge thing for me. I think it's a thing of beauty. It arguably is even better than the one we had before. I think it's fantastic. The kit looks brilliant as well. The red uh, V-neck from 85, 86. Lovely. Small things like that make a big difference to the supporters. I, yeah, I don't, I don't think the modern owner of a football club realises the impact that has on a club mm. because they're not... Football, is, football is, is an extraordinary business. So these fans are not going to suddenly leave QPR and go and watch Fulham next week. It's a little bit transitory in West London. Some people do watch both clubs, but in the same way that a supermarket can lose customers to another supermarket, it doesn't really happen in football. So your fans are there every week and you have a core support. I wouldn't annoy them. What about the power of social media these days? I mean, we've been at uh, a couple of grounds already this season. Um, obviously, Loftus Road, where thankfully we haven't heard any boos yet. But we were at Cardiff at the weekend and we heard boos. You know, the home, the home players getting booed off the park. They're, their first home game of the season, their third game in all competitions, and they're getting booed. Is that, do you think that transmit from the keyboard warriors to the terraces? Because that's a perception now, at least. Social media and things like that are, are huge, you know, and... Um, I think you touched on, you know, the nine games years ago. Clyde quite rightly said that wouldn't happen now. You you lose a game now, you lose two in a row, and you get the the phone in, the, 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 the phone yeah. ins almost deliberately trying to to get that type of call coming in. They don't see what's going on and the reasons behind it. It's just like it's I call it like the X Factor scenario where you you go and you sing your song on a Saturday night. You might have a sore throat, you might sing it badly, but every now everyone wants you off off the show. And it's the same in football as a manager they don't see the good work and for me fortunately to be back at the club and i'm delighted to be back at the club there's a there's a great deal of good work going on the club are going back to the roots which i'm sure must uh, excite the fans to the degree you know we have uh, passionate owners with a clear vision for where they want to go you have a director of football who works tirelessly uh, to to improve the football side not just at first team level all the way through the club you have a chief executive who's uh, very measured and um sort of prudent in the way he wants his club ran as such. I see the good work going done at the academy. I see the great work going on throughout the community. Uh, and the fans, we're trying to encourage the fans to get back involved with the club. So that's a club that's trying to pull together, which can only be good for the future. And of course, it helps when you're, when you're winning games. Willow, of just course. bringing things back to, to you and your personal circumstances. A PE teacher now, I believe. Yeah, for my sins. Um, <laughs> been doing it now for... Harder work than being a, a roving fullback. Yeah, yeah, a lot harder work. <laughs> when you're a rolling football, you playing behind me. Yeah, you, you, <laughs> you can accept that uh, you're gonna get a bit, of, a bit of stick from the crowd, but you don't expect, don't expect to get a bit of stick from the kids. So, um, but you enjoy it. Yeah, yeah, I enjoy it immensely. Um, it's been, it has its like any job, it has its, its ups and downs, but generally it's a, it's a good job to have. 
How did you find that period? Because I know it's, it's often talked about and it, it's come to light um, over the summer and, and, and it will come to light again throughout the season, I'm sure. But that area between when you're out of the game, or sorry, you're, you're just finishing your career and then you're retired and then you're looking for that next step. How did you find that? Because I know there's certainly, Andy, you've said that you struggled for a period of time. It's the void, isn't it? Yeah, the void that's left behind. It's, yeah, it's how, how do you feel the void of, of what you've been doing for the last 20 the routine. years? Routine. Um, I always remember uh, after finishing, I would wake up on a Saturday and go through the routine that I went through as a, as a player. <laughs> so I never drank tea except for on a match day. So I would get up on a Saturday morning, drink tea, make um, scrambled eggs on toast. Make, and it was after about nine months to a year, I'm going, what are you doing? You don't need to be doing this on a Saturday, after, a Saturday morning. You can kind of have a, a normal, normal life, do what you like, eat what you like, and, and not worry. But it is, it is a massive void to fill. And how people, how footballers feel it is, um, is in many, many, obviously in many different ways. Most, I think the, the public at large think that when you finish football, there's a job for you in, back in football. But there's only a certain number of jobs. Yeah, you know, that's what I'm saying. There's only a certain to. number of jobs, too many players. So you, if you've not got a job in football, you've got to find mm. something else. I mean, fortunate for the, the footballers, the current day footballers, and this, I'm only talking about the premiership now, they, can have, they have a buffer of enough money mm. to, um, to not, want, not need to work for a year or two. But um, if you're playing down in league, league One, League Two, the moment you finish you're going to need to find another job. So therefore, what do you do then? That's the, that's the issue that I think a lot of, a lot of players have a, have a problem coming to terms with. Most of them go and work for your lot now, don't they? Yeah, well, we, we're, <laughs> we're glad to see them. I mean, why wouldn't we want somebody who's played 300 games in the mm. Premier League? You know, we want to hear from them about that's their, their, their club. Yeah, it's, it's, great. it's great for me. You know, I manage the Sky Sports News football team. I can pick their brains before they go on set. You know, <laughs> that's why they're late on set a lot of the time. Yeah. But QPR always beat you in those staff games. Well, don't I don't know about that. <laughs> we, did get, we did get a draw. But, um, but ha- having, having said that, I mean, I think we've seen, to bring it back to something a bit more tragic and a bit more serious, we saw with Dalian Atkinson, Yesterday, we haven't really seen hide nor hair of him in the last, you know, 15 years mm. since he retired. And I think we've actually undercooked how good a player he was. Mm. Um, you know, he played in a, an Aston Villa side that ran a great Man United side to the penultimate day of the season yeah. in the first Premier League. He, he, won a, he scored and won the League Cup at Wembley. Um, had a good career at Sheffield Wednesday in a side that went down as well before he joined Villa and worked for Big Ron. And, um, but we haven't seen, seen him for years. And I think it's important that I don't know it's personal circumstances, but I think it's great when clubs invite their players back and make them part of the club, make them part of the furniture. Some clubs do it very, very well. Uh, other clubs, not so. Some clubs can certainly improve. Um, but, but it can't I, be underestimated. How no, not at all. It's lovely when you go to QPR and you see... Um, I mean, I see Wayne Faraday there quite a lot, one of, in the first team that I, I supported. I've seen Tony Curry and the Morgan Twins have been back yeah, already this year. Wonderful, wonderful to see Gary Bannister 18 months ago. What yeah. a player he was. Nearly, nearly 100 goals for us over um, what, five seasons or whatever it was. Um, John Burnoff's in back as well. You go to other clubs as well. And, you know, you, sometimes you learn to love your enemy, don't you? Yeah. And you go to Chelsea and you see players that QPR played against in the ATC. see Joe McLaughlin sometimes. Mm-hmm. see Mike Fillery played for QPR. It's wonderful to see these guys, see what shape they're in these days. You know, see the, get their reflections on, on, the, on the team, learn a few stories that, you know, you maybe thought, you maybe thought that, the narrative was one way when you were supporting them and you learned 20 years later that it wasn't quite as simple as that. Yeah. And it's great as a fan. I think I'm not the only one, but, you know, people aren't always as anarchy as me, but 
I think um, a lot of other people appreciate seeing it as well and having pictures taken with them. Okay, then, so very finally, and uh, on behalf of the Loftcast, thanks for, to both of you for joining us. Your hopes for QBR then for the rest of the season after what's been a, a mightily impressive start to the new season? As you say, very, very, very good start. Um, hopefully, they keep it going. Um, I think over the course of the season, uh, I think is an expectation would be to at least finish, in, at least be in the playoffs, right? Um, I don't know if that's no pressure. That's, I don't know if that's over ambitious. <laughs> um, bearing in mind, they finished twelfth last year, but um, with the with their start, I mean, it doesn't mean anything if you lose the next few games, but um, with their start, if they can consolidate on that, I see no reason why they can't stay in the top half of the table and finally push for a, a um, playoff place. So positive early signs, Aidan? Yeah, look, I don't get too carried away. I think it's important to keep our feet on the ground. Mm. Charlton won their first two games last season, including against us at the Valley on the opening day, and they finished nowhere. In fact, they got relegated. Mm. Uh, I'd take top 10, if I'm perfectly honest with you. I love the, I love the profile of player that was signed and we're going back to even as, even as far back as the 70s when we, we signed players who had plenty to prove young but done, yeah but mm. still done a bit of their previous club but they were they were the right age they had something to prove and as you say hungry and I like I think Jordan Cousins who I know a little bit comes into that category saw Jake Bidwell play many times um, Joel, Lynch, Joel Lynch bit bit older but when he when he gets back from injury I think he'll be an asset for us and I like you know Grant Hall as well mm. excellent season mm. last year I mm. think he, he exceeded expectations I would I would suggest so even even so, in spite of that, it's a forty game, for, sorry, forty six game marathon. It's such it's an endurance test more than anything. Mm. So I, I would honestly take top ten. One last question for you: QBR fans love a cult hero. Where does Seb Poulter fit into that mould at the minute? Um, oh, he's definitely up there, yeah, without question. I mean, I, he, last season I thought I saw him as a squad player, and uh, he was doing what a squad players expected to do. He was coming into the team, he was making an impact, scoring the odd goal. And it was only really towards the sort of last three months of last season when I thought actually he could be a first team regular, and he certainly offers you something different. And in terms of cult hero, yeah, why why not? You know, he was. Um, we love players like that at Loftus Road. There's no question about that. Hi, I'm Massimo Luongo, and you're listening to the Loftcast. This is Polter. Well, that's the perfect way for the curtain to go up on Queens Park Rangers' season with a finish like that. Andy, looking back uh, to that first game against Leeds, uh, the perfect start. The perfect start. You know, you you work all pre-season. You're never quite sure what you're going to get on the first the the first game. Manager will never quite know. Players will never quite know. But you know, it was a it was a fantastic performance. Got off to a great start. You know, scoring after four minutes, and I thought it was a really really good performance throughout. Plenty of positives throughout, but I guess <laughs> to be handed the opening goal like we were um, by. Poor old Rob Green, who returned to Loftus Road for the first time since his move away from QBR to Leeds United. That just gives you a platform then to go on and really stamp your mark on proceedings, especially on the opening weekend of the season. Oh, certainly. And, you know, um, unfortunately, unfortunately, whichever way you look at it, it was Rob had a hand in it or not a hand in it, as the case may be. But just gives you, as you quite rightly say, that platform to, to, to kick on, to settle you down. Um, and I thought throughout, you know, we were we were excellent. We were on the front front foot. Uh, the energy levels were great. Uh, the closing down was great from the front backwards, uh, and a really good performance and a, a 
a terrific way to start the season. And the good news for Neda Manua, the dubious goals panel awarded him the goal earlier this yeah, week. he's so got to have that. So I think <laughs> the skipper is up and running. But then second half, I mean, having, having only gone in um, one in front, in the second half, the manager uh, made changes. Um, Jordan Cousins came on, made a real impact, won the penalty. And then that man, Charon Cherry, does what he does best, slotting it away from 12 yards. Yeah, initially when I saw the team sheet, you know, I think everyone probably expected Jordan to, to play. And I was one, I haven't seen much of the pre-seasons, but I know he, he missed a bit with his injury. Yeah. Um, I was really sort of looking forward to seeing him play. So you saw the team sheet, uh, you, you saw him on the bench, but uh, when he came on, he, he certainly made his mark. But going back a little bit, the team that Jimmy picked uh, might have been one or two surprises, but they were excellent. And certainly in the middle of the park. Henry and Luongo. Henry and Luongo, I thought were... Outstanding, Massimo. You know, he covered every blade of grass. He won tackles. He was chasing back. You know, um, and it's a side of his game that probably we haven't seen a lot of. But I know, and people at the football club know he can do. And then the icing on the cake, really late on. Seb Poltrud hit the post earlier on with a, a great mazy run, and then a left foot effort, which just, as we say, just scuffed, and it just came back off the post. But he made no mistake in added time, did he? Well, Seb put in a typical Seb performance, you know, all energy, working his socks off for the team from the front. Very unlucky in the first half, you know, he's come inside on his left, he's shaped the hit, he's touched it again. Uh, hasn't quite got a hold of it, but it comes back off the post. And I go in a little bit of half-time, think, you know, we've totally dominated that game, but we're only 1-0, and you expect Leeds to come out the traps in the second half and throw stuff at us. But um, I thought we managed the second half terrifically well. Cousins, as you say, got the penalty, Sharon's puts it away emphatically and Seb gets his goal at the end where he shows a bit of everything that he won from a centre forward. Bit of pace, real strength and what a finish. What a finish to finish the game. You've played in QPR sides that have had that flair but have also had that sturdiness, that grittiness. You saw both sides of QPR that afternoon because although Leeds didn't really come firing out the traps at the start of the second half, there was a 15-minute period perhaps where they were not on top but enjoying the lion's share of possession. But that was when the likes of your, your Luongos, your, your Henrys. I thought the two full-backs were excellent. And, and that was really a different side to QBR that in previous years you might not have seen. Couldn't agree more. Listen, Does that come back to pre-season again, no, the, well, the intensity? Uh, no, without a doubt. And it comes back to the work on the training ground. You know, I sat with an ex-player who came to watch the game. He said, QBR, fantastically well-organised. Well, that just doesn't happen. That's Jimmy drilling them almost since day one that they've been back in. Uh, hours on the training ground. And you rely on that on a Saturday. But no, um, listen, you, whatever level you're playing at, you're never going to be fantastic for 90 minutes. There's going to be spells in any game where the opposition comes at you or has a period of play. And that's all about managing the game, getting people in positions, you know, filling holes, blocking crosses. And for me, the real pleasing thing was a clean sheet. But Alex Smith, he didn't have a save to make uh, against Leeds. And people said, oh, on the day Leeds were poor. Yes, they might have been. But, you know, they're a fancy team. Before the game, we spoke about Leeds were many people's tip to be an outside for the for the playoffs but on the day we totally dominated the game and it was a it was a great start of the season with a fantastic performance okay RT down the left-hand touchline he's got some space now he's created it well in towards Washington little flick and it's turned into the back of the net Umbakoto with the final touch and Queen's Park Rangers have the lead then on to Swindon in the cup on uh, Wednesday night was it Tuesday night Wednesday night um, it all seems to be moulding into one at the minute. Uh, crazy starts the season schedule-wise, but on to Swindon. The manager made changes, as you'd expect, I guess, in the League Cup, having mentioned that crazy schedule that does exist in this opening month of August. An experimental side, but 
not the performance that he was looking for, but winning breeds confidence. To go through on penalties, four successful spot kicks, and you could see that that confidence, we took that into the Cardiff game, which we'll touch on shortly. But just looking back on that Swindon game, were you surprised at how many changes the manager made? No, not at all. Uh, I actually looked at it after beating Leeds, uh, you know, on a hot afternoon. I, th- I thought you might have made a, a, a couple of others, but, you know, the likes of Nedham uh, played, mm. Carl Henry played, um, you know, so we, he, he could have made a few more. But um, people were were saying it was a disappointing performance, but, you know, it's cup football, it's early yeah, in the we season. We won. QPR never win cup ties. Exactly, <laughs> which, which is great. And a manager used to say to me when we were playing, cup football's all about getting in a hat. That's the nuts and bolts of it. The early rounds of the cup, you get yourself in the hat for the next the next round. We did that, albeit, you know, not the way we would have liked to have done it, not yep. what Jimmy would have wanted going to extra time and penalties. But um, again, a real togetherness pulled us through, and we we won the tie. And two goal scorers getting off the mark for their new clubs. Yeni and Bacotto didn't have to wait too long. Connor Washington had to wait that little bit longer, starved of, of, of real opportunities at the back end of last season, but came in uh, for this game, having spent a lot of the summer away with Northern Ireland in the Euros. So he's that little bit behind the rest of the group, but that'll do both of them the power of good. Oh, without, uh, without a shadow of a doubt. You know, uh, Yenny, what was it? I can't remember what minute his goal was, but, you know, what a, what a way to, to say to QPR players. Like your introduction. Yeah, I'm here. Uh, you know, and on the night, I thought he was a real positive. You could it was see glimpses, wasn't it? See, he's got pace. He put one fantastic cross in on the volley, um, which was almost the too, first time. Yeah, almost too good of a cross. You Reminded know, he, me a bit of yourself back in the day. <laughs> Thanks, Ian. <laughs> uh, but, uh, no, his movement was good. So, even in a cup tie like that, uh, someone who's just joined the club, um, that would have been good for him and to get off the mark so early. Uh, Connor, you know, he had a. I thought he was starved a little bit of real good service on the night, but he, you know, he he kept, kept going. going. He plugged yep. away and and got his goal. And great work again by the the striking combination. Sharon Cherry, very unselfish, could have shot, but squared him. And you can see the relief on Connor's face because whether you're a, a wide player, a midfield player, uh, or a striker who's expected the chip in with goals and strikers certainly are. You want to get your first goal in a competitive game as quick as you possibly can. So he's off and running, a little bit behind with his, with his European uh, Championship um, adventure with Northern adventure Ireland, with Northern Ireland which, which was great to see him. But you know, Connor Washington's been signed for a reason and I'm sure he's got a massive part to play as the season unfolds. Swindon made it tough on the night, as you'd expect from uh, a decent league one side. And Rochdale will do the same in the next round because we're at home again. Uh, we welcome uh, the Dale to Loftus Road next week. Another game to look forward to, another game probably to experiment, but hopefully a game that, on paper at least, Rangers should be looking to progress to, the, to round three, which is almost unprecedented territory. <laughs> well, I was just going to say, we have had a horrendous sort of cup record in recent years you know and I think winning whatever competition you're in winning and results breed confidence you know and I think if we can have a really good cup run um, first of all the fans you know they, they get big teams in town they can see something they can dream and that's surely that's what football's all about you know so uh, so yeah we got through we have Rochdale It'll be another tough game no easy games um, you make them what they are I think sometimes against the likes of Swindon and Rochdale Attitude and application can be the only reason why you, you're not gonna you're not gonna progress or you're gonna get beat. But under Jimmy, I'm sure that's hammered home. And uh, yeah, look, I'll, I look forward to it in the long a long cup run for the club this year. Here's Jaron Cherry. 
from 12 yards out against David Marshall. Top corner. That is emphatic from Jaron Cherry. Two in two for him. Two wins in two for Queen's Park Rangers. It's their best start to a championship season for six years. It's Cardiff nil, QPR two. Um, a really good start to the season was topped off on Sunday. Almost sort of a Saturday again, but again, the, the unpredictable nature of the championship and the schedule at this time of year. Um, Jimmy made obviously numerous changes again on the back of that Swindon win in the in the week. Just talk to us on your your opinion of the of the Cardiff fixture itself because I've seen a lot of reports say that it was uh, almost like a pre-season friendly in the first half. I would disagree with that. I thought Rangers' game management was excellent. Uh, there was a short period where Cardiff put us under the cosh but didn't really look like they they were ever going to break through. We're three games in now, two in the league, and Alex Smith is still hasn't had a shot to save because there hasn't been any shots on target. Defensively, Jimmy Floyd Hasselgram described it as flawless. Would you agree? I would describe it as almost the perfect away performance. Yeah, very you much know, so. You, you, you're going to Cardiff, let's face it. You know, they did really, really well last year. Mm. Just missed eight. And right until a couple of games before, could have got into the playoffs. You know, they've just come off the back of a, a poor defeat, but it's their first major home game of the season in front of their own fans. Yep. That, always, that always throws up something. First 20 minutes, you know, they put us under a little bit, had a lot of possession, but never caused us any problems. Alex hasn't had a save defensively. I thought Colker and, uh, and Hawley, you know, were a formidable um, And you know what I, like about, I liked about Sunday's performances, and I, I think I heard our, I'm not going to call them our rivals, but our friends on the QBR pod said that Jake Bidwell is just solid. Ned Manua looks very solid now. Ned Manua, for me, looks so much better going forward this year than he has done in previous years as well. And you don't want to get carried away because we're only three games in and you know, God knows what, what will happen between now and the end of the season. And fingers crossed we do continue on this run. But there's a solidity now about that back four. And when you take into account, you've still got Joel Lynch to come back in. You've got Matt Ingram out there who's keeping Alex Smith on his on toes. Perchy on the bench. There's some good competition here now. But I must say, having someone like Jake Bidwell, who we knew was going to be a six or a seven or even an eight out of ten That's every week. As a left back, as a winger, having played in a wide role with a solid defender behind you in your QBR days, that must give you the confidence when you're attacking to know that you've got someone behind you that's going to make a real difference. Without a shadow of a doubt, you know, uh, he's got a lovely natural left foot as well, which gives the gives the, the back four, the whole team, uh, some much-needed balance. But, you know, I think you've hit the nail on the head what you get with Jake, um, you know, and he, he's not just coming in having played a handful of games. He's really got a, a wealth of experience. He's captained the, the Brentford up the road. And you quite rightly say, he's a... He's a He's a steady Eddie. That's not solid and reliable. Yeah, solid and reliable. But you know what? That's what you need. That's what you need in your fullback areas. As I say, the back four comes back to what you were saying. You know, um, that solidity that we're showing hasn't just happened. That's, that's it worked on. That's work on the training ground. Yeah. Right through the summer. That's you know, it's hour after hour, drill after drill of balls in this area. Where do I want you? Uh, finer details are covered, which I know Jimmy's big on, and it's shown. But you know. Right through the centre of the pitch the other day, I thought we were we were we were excellent. You know, goalkeeper had very little to do. Long may that continue. But what he does, he looks assured. Mm. Two centre backs, I thought, were colossus the other day. Headed everything, but you know, start the tax from the back. It just looked nice and composed. Middle of the park, Carl Henry, I thought again was excellent along with their uh, mass. Cherry does what he and, and Seb up the front. You know, so uh, and it's no coincidence that the way Jimmy wants us to play, 
our defending starts with your centre forward, yeah. then your wide players, then Sharon, then your two centre midfield players, then into your back four, then your goalkeeper. It's yeah. almost defending from the front, working backwards. And uh, that's what I was used to as a player, and it, it certainly pays dividends. And you mentioned Jake Bidwell, not only can he defend bloody well, but he can also provide an assist. It was a good ball into the box for Stephen Corker, and, and what a header on his return to Cardiff. Great ball in. Uh, you know, very hard to defend those balls that come in from that sort of angle with the type of pace and the trajectory that uh, Jake put on it. And a great brave header from Stephen, who, you know, I noticed didn't really celebrate. Where do you stand on that as a former pro? Did you ever celebrate when you scored against your former teams or is that a more modern day thing that... I think it's a more modern thing, you know. I think it's it's crept into the game. Listen, if I'm playing for QPR and we've got a real tough game against Brentford and I score the winner... QPR pay me wages. Yeah. That's my club at yeah. the time. So, But can you see it from yeah, Stephen's point yeah. of view course, as well? Of course day. I can. Yeah. And it's not just Stephen, a lot of do. But going back to the goal, real brave header. Uh, and I am delighted to see him in the side at this moment in time. You know, if he gets his head right and his work uh, ethic right, which I believe he, well, he has. You know, he had a frustrating season last year, going out of different places. Yeah. Players have got a place. He said he learned a lot in, in that time. He, he, he wasn't even really involved at Southampton or Liverpool when he was on loan. And there were often times where he wasn't in the matchday squads. Yep. But... He, he learnt a lot about himself. He watched a lot of football. And you can see that there's a far better, more grounded, uh, settled probably player now. Yep. And that can only benefit us in the long term. I was just going to say, you know, he's... Trying to choose my words carefully. He's almost wasted or had a, a year of his career mm. taken away from him. Now, your career passes you by Very all quickly. too quickly. Yep. So if you've had a season eight, you know, you, there's a little bit of making up to be done. And, you know, and... I think you quite rightly said, and the great point that he learned, not just as a player, he learned a lot about himself as a person while he's been watching games. Uh, now, if he comes back here and he stays for the season and can help us to get where we want to go, and the, the signs so far being been great, you know, we've got, a, we've got an international centre-half there. And then at the other end, uh, very late on, the icing on the cake, and it was that man, Cherry, again. Fantastic penalty. That's one that, even if the keeper guesses right, which he did, Marshall, that was passing before he knew it, wasn't it? Having fair play to Seb Poulter, having won the penalty when he had no real right to, to get himself into the position he did, he gets it, referee points to the spot, and then Cheza does the rest. Yeah, again, credit to Seb. You know, great centre-forward play. Uh, almost invites the challenge. I think it's a disappointing goal from their point of view, but, you know, that's their problem, not ours. I don't care about that. Sharon <laughs> uh, puts the ball, and you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say something. Um, and I sat in the director's box and I just thought, you know, he scored last Sunday. He scored in a shootout the other night. What's he going to do? Is there any doubts going to be in his mind? But I'll tell you what. No element of doubt whatsoever. <laughs> no doubts. He knew exactly Smashed where it. he was going to put it and he's gone in. Similar to one against Leeds at the tail end of last season that was a pressure spot kick as well because yep. I think that was to equalise really late on. Yeah. Um, but that just gives you that cushion, that buffer. And then for that final 10 minutes, again, they throw a little bit at us. I think there was four minutes of added time. So I think it was probably nine minutes um, after the penalty was scored. But we saw it out comfortably. And it was great to see each and every one of the lads, those that had started and those that had, had come on, and as well as those that weren't used, but all go up to the away end and salute the 800 to 1,000 QBR fans who, who made quite a lot of racket, given that the stadium was really half empty. Yeah, they did. I thought the following was great. You know, it's, a, it's quite a long journey. School people, holidays still, isn't it? People on holidays. They've just come back of holidays. A lot of the fans will have done a lot of money, you know, on their family during the summer. New kits and what have you New as well. New kit. Well, they still get behind this side. Made a, um, made a lot of noise. Um, Credit to them. And it comes back to what we were saying, I think it was last week, you know, we're, we're trying to get back at this football club to being a one. Everyone in it. And the fans 
are a massive part of what we're going to do. So to get a performance away from home like that, the players to to, to go and applaud the fans the way they did, um, only bodes well. And you know, it was it's a great win, it's a great three points. I saw Jimmy very quickly afterwards, and he didn't say a lot, but you could just see in his face or his eyes that he was really sort of contented, satisfied with what the players had done that afternoon. Payne pitch it back. Here's a big chance for Barnsley and Scoran. Surely has stolen the points with that. It was a brilliant bit of skill from Payne, who knew exactly what he was doing. And then where did you start with that game at Oakwell, Andy? Uh, incredible game, QBR going down to a 3-2 defeat. Yeah, disappointing. You know, uh, I thought we had it won. Uh, so we've almost snatched a defeat from the jaws of a victory, but... Um, there's a couple of decisions gone against us, but um, yeah, just disappointing. First half, we were really up against it, but credit to Barnsley, they came out the traps at a hell of a rate and looked a really good side in that period. Yeah, got the early goal, as we did against Leeds, that uh, gets their tails up. Um, they really came at us, made the pitch big, caused us problems in wide areas. But, you know, we just had a hang in the game, which we did. Credit to the organisation. As the half grew, we got into it, come out the second half, got a goal within, or the penalty within 30 seconds. Second half's even, and we get our noses in front, and you think, you know what, the way we've been going, job done, but we didn't defend straight from the kickoff when it was 2 1, and ultimately it leads to the free kick. I thought that was really soft, to be honest. Great free kick. Um, then another dubious decision that costs us uh, for the third goal. So uh, I'm sure everyone, fans, Jimmy, the players, us watching are, are really disappointed, but, uh, you know, credit the Barnsley, they did well tonight. We'll be back in the coming weeks on the Lovecast.